Welcome to the Boss Lady Podcast. If you desire to make your life extraordinary, to reach and exceed your personal and professional goals, and to learn from other strong leaders, then the Boss Lady Podcast is for you. As a mother, wife, and former CEO, I will share lessons and stories of personal and professional successes and failures. Join my co-host, Al Smith, and me as we break down strategies, tools, and techniques that will enhance your professional and personal growth. I am Teresa Rand, and this is the Boss Lady Podcast. Welcome to the Boss Lady Podcast. I'm Al Smith here with Teresa Rand, who's the CEO and founder of Boss Lady and also of Teresa Rand um, Consulting and uh, Head Boss Lady. Hello, hello, hello. I'm doing well. Yeah. More importantly, you're doing well. I am. I, I'm, the, the the noise in my ear is down to a small small motorbike. So I'm, uh, yeah. If you're a new listener, it. Al had some pretty major ear surgery a month ago now. Been four weeks. Uh, it's been yeah, about yeah. five. Yep. Yeah, but he was he was down and out for a year. So was, it felt like <laughs> and, nothing was going to kill me, but yeah. it damn near drove me crazy. Yeah, That's about so all I we can are say glad to see you back up yeah. and up, and you seem a little more chipper. Little, yeah, yeah. <laughs> than no more, you were. Yeah, no more excuses either. Now it's like that's right. You know, let's, get let's busy, get this show on the road. Exactly. So, but, as uh, usual, we have a really. Yes. Great guests that uh, just say it because I always say it that I'm excited about. Yeah, I gotta come up with be. another word. I need a thesaurus for excited. Looking mm. forward to um, enthused. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I just get excited when yeah. the, every time we do these. It's, it so. shows through. That's that's what we want. So, talk to me about you. Um, career cultivators. What's going on with that? How's the- yeah, career cultivators. A private Facebook page that I started probably two months ago now. And if you have a career, want a career, want to change a career, want to quit a career, (laughs) want to go into business, uh, this is a Facebook page that you can join. And I do many trainings once a week um, at a variety of days and times, just on different topics, negotiation, leadership skills, time management's been a big one, work-life balance, um, just a lot of different it's a safe space to talk about things that are going on in yeah. your career. And um, you can find all of the information on Career Cultivators and the Boss Lady membership on Teresa Rand Consulting, as well as all the other work I do with Strength Finders and DISC and all those personality assessments. But, yeah, check us out and uh, join us on Career Cultivators. Yeah, it's good stuff. Timely, I'd say. Yeah. What's going on absolutely. in the world. And that's part of the reason I started it, because I was getting calls with people that were either had been laid off from their jobs or they just weren't happy with their jobs in the pandemic. You know, how how some companies handled it well, some companies didn't. Uh, it was new territory, of course, so it's not that's not a judgment call, it just, just is. And a lot of people were calling me about wanting to do something different. Yeah. So I was like, well, let's just find a space and talk about it. No, and I think there's still a lot of that going on. It will be. A lot of that no. going on. There's still Include, so much change, right? Yeah. That nothing's yeah. nothing's normal. <laughs> no. It's only March of 2021. We're glad it's not 2020, but right now yeah. the world hasn't changed a whole lot. So not, still not lots enough, of change. Hopefully we're getting there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So then tomorrow you're busy. 
you know, just try to keep, I'm just trying to keep up with you, Teresa. <laughs> just, just trying, Good. I'm, I'm, I'm getting closer, but I don't know. You keep moving ahead. But anyway, <laughs> so you got a big event tomorrow. We do. The Boss Lady local kickoff is tomorrow in New Smyrna Beach. And even though that's for the local group, if you don't live local, you can certainly still become a part of the Boss Lady community. Again, TeresaRanConsulting.com has all of this information on it. But Boss Lady is for women only, with the exception of Al and Bobby. <laughs> They're, and my husband. They're and all Bob. complimentary yes. uh, Boss Lady members. But it's a group of women that just, quite frankly, support each other. They embrace each other. They empower each other. And they, they help educate each other on different topics that are relative to us as women. You know, the world is different. We see the world different. We experience the world different. And uh, it's a very nominal membership fee. We are going to continue to do things virtual, even though we're going to go back to doing some things live. Yeah, okay. But my hope for Boss Lady is that somebody in, I don't know, Iowa or Boston or, you know, they get connected or they hear about it on Facebook or on the podcast and they want to start their own Boss Lady because yeah. there's it could be done easily and very needed all over. Right. Plant the seed. Yeah. So get it going. Not yeah. just local. But we have a good guest tonight. I must say, yeah, I must say <laughs> real quick, the uh, certainly in the political oh, world, women have, I mean, you look at a lot of the stories, especially on the Ashland, right. there's a lot of, um, and sometimes it's uh, it's women, uh, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, two different parties fighting. You know, oh, yeah. Kind of, and the way, and, and I guess the reason I bring that up is that the way that, that the confrontation comes out is as much different appears to me to be different it is very different men, women know? women handle as a general rule these are all always kind of stereotypes but it's yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of my husband, my husband feels the same way but women come at things differently yeah. and one of the things we talk about in boss lady that we're adamant about is that we are not in competition with each other right yeah you know, there's seven billion people on the planet there's plenty of business for all of us we need to support each other. And sometimes as women, we're not always good at that. Yeah. We can be pretty judgmental, if I say so myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a, that's yeah. A, probably a topic for a whole yeah, yeah, no, show. Yeah. <laughs> but it was on my mind. It was, yeah. just, uh, it was, it was a sign of change. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So Thanks. we'll take it. We've come a long way. We've got right. a long way to go. Right. So. All right. So let's... Uh, why don't we take a break? Because we got we got to make time for this very special guest. We want to do our oh, random thought? I'm sorry, any random thought. Like I said, <laughs> random thought. That's the reason there's two of us. It's random. We're going to do our <laughs> random thought of the day. And as usual, I try to make it have something to do with the guest. So that'll all make sense when we come back from the break. But the random thought for today is each one of us has something powerful to say. And that is actually a quote by our guest who I'll introduce after the break. Be right back. Whether you're an entrepreneur climbing the corporate ladder or a work-from-home parent, you are a boss. Together, we are cultivating your personal and professional growth. Check out TeresaRanConsulting.com today to find out more about this movement. Welcome back. Teresa, All right. Good to be back. Guest. I can't wait. And Allison Shapira is our guest. And I just have to quick story. I don't know her personally. I have chatted with her now in preparation for the podcast. But a friend of mine through a speaking academy I was in posted a picture of himself 
with her. He's also a speaker and a singer. And I had read her book and love her book. I listened to it. I use it. So I immediately Facebooked, direct messaged him and said, whoa, 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 do you know Allison right. Shapira? And he said, yes, I've done some work, you know, blah, blah, blah. So we'll have a little introduction there. And here we are. So the Once stars again. align. Yes. Yep. But let me read a little bit of her bio and then because I really want to get into to a conversation with her. Allison is a former opera singer turned entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and expert in public speaking. She is the founder and CEO of Global Public Speaking, a communication training firm and certified woman-owned small business that helps people speak clearly, concisely, and confidently, both virtually and in person. She teaches public speaking at the Harvard Kennedy School. She also travels around the world, or she post pre-pandemic, hopefully she will again, with the nonprofit Vital Voices Global Partnership, teaching leadership communication to help women leaders grow their business, run for office, or launch a nonprofit. She holds a master's degree in public administration from the Harvard Kennedy School and is an internationally renowned speaker, singer-songwriter who uses music as a way to help others find their voice and their courage to speak. She is the author of Speak with Impact, How to Command the Room and Influence Others, which was a Washington Post bestseller. And she lives in Washington, D.C. Allison, first of all, thank you so much for being here. Uh, as I had told the listeners, you know, the, the stars just keep aligning. You're the second guest that I've had on that's been an author that I actually knew a local friend that knew you, the same as I did the two gentlemen that we had on a couple weeks ago, two authors that someone went to the Navy with one of the author, authors, just like John, you know, knew you from the speaking and singing world. So it's a small world if we just pay attention. But thank you for allowing John to make the introduction and for being here tonight. Of course, it's my pleasure. Yeah. So I have read your book. I have listened to your book. I use your book. <laughs> so when I saw the picture with John, I was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, Um because it's one thing to have somebody on with a book that, you know, you've read once and you put it down and it was good, but you move on as opposed to having a book like yours that I literally use. Um, you know, I, I go to your website. I look at some of the things that you, you know, to outline if somebody calls you and you have to do a speech in 30 minutes. You know, I know I can grab your material and make that work. So, um just so you know, your book is very user-friendly for <laughs> probably oh. people you don't even know about. Um, that's fantastic. I'm, I'm so happy to hear that because that's, that's the goal when writing a book like this. Not that someone reads it, puts it down, and moves on, but as you've said, reads it and is able to use it and go back to yeah, it again and again. That's absolutely. definitely what I, my goal is. Good, good. So I know in the book, you, you tell us kind of how you came to to be because this wasn't what you were setting out to be when you were in college, but it's such a great story. And I read a lot of our listeners may not have read the book yet, but they will after hearing you, I'm sure. So can you just tell the story of what you started out to be and kind of how it came about that you became a speech writer and then a speaker of your own and eventually an author? Growing up, all I wanted to do was become an opera singer. 
ever since I was 12, I wanted to be a professional opera singer. So I went to a performing arts high school and then did summer programs and then got into Boston University's School of Fine Arts. And it was there that I realized it, it, that wasn't my passion anymore. So I lost my passion for singing. I was also told I wasn't good enough mm. for a singing career, which was devastating. And, and I stopped singing and wound up in the field of diplomacy where I had to write speeches and deliver speeches. And I knew nothing about public speaking. But in the process of learning how to speak, I, I actually realized that I did know how to speak mm. because of my musical background. So I was able to translate skills such as breathing and eye contact and nonverbal communication tools. I was able to translate those from singing to speaking, and then certainly had my work cut out for me in terms of learning how to craft content, because opera singers don't write their own music, right. they interpret somebody else's material. Uh, so that was, a, that was a, a shift that I had to make, and then dove into public speaking, and people started to come to me for help, and I decided to charge them money, and all of a sudden, <laughs> I was an entrepreneur, and started a business that 18 years later is a full-time global training firm teaching public speaking and presentation skills. Wow. I didn't realize it had been 18 years. I guess if I'd done the math, I would have realized because you were... You, were <laughs> yeah. you don't have to do math. You're still yeah, young. No math, You're no still math. young, but you were younger. <laughs> and obviously it says so in your bio, but I was like, oh, wow. I didn't realize. Um, I guess because I just discovered you, so... Um, but yeah, it was just such a fascinating story because I, I have listened to some of your videos and, and heard you sing. And I'll be honest, I mean, any form of opera sounds amazing to me. So I'm not a critic, but I was like, geez, she wasn't good enough for that. It's kind of hard to believe when I've seen you sing in some of your, your talks. Um, so when you, you've done all of this, you've written speeches, what do you find? I don't know, I'm going off script here a little bit, but what do you find easiest, writing the material or presenting the material? It really depends on the occasion and, and the audience. I love coming up with new content and crafting speeches, but I would say, and, I, and I'm, I'm answering this question in my mind as we're speaking, what I love is standing on stage and delivering. Oh. I like writing a speech. I love delivering it on stage in front of an appreciative audience that is ready and willing to receive the message. That's what I love the most. Yeah. There's such energy from standing on a stage and speaking to people that, you know, and one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, do you even now still get nervous before you give a speech? I get nervous before every single speech yeah. or presentation. And I have I have a presentation tomorrow morning. I have to log on at seven AM for this training that I'm doing. And I'm nervous. It's a it's a high level audience. It's a very prominent company. I'm the only external speaker at their executive offsite. And I'm 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 nervous about you know, will they accept my message? Will they find it relevant enough in their industry? I know it's relevant, but there's always that question in, in terms of will they recognize the importance of these skills? And so it's, it's a nervousness I always have. Yeah. And what do you do? I know that's probably um, p 
part of your your lessons you you teach and you talk about executive presence a lot and a lot of people don't really understand what executive presence is um they know it when they recognize it maybe when they hear Mm -hmm. someone that or see someone that has it but what do you do to calm your own nerves i have a process that i go through and i also have a, a process that i recommend to people to help them it really depends however on what is it that's making you anxious? So I try to solve for whatever it is that's making me nervous and then eliminate that as a variable. So if I'm nervous because I don't know the audience, then, okay, how do I meet the audience in advance or talk to people who represent the audience? Am I nervous because I don't know if the timing is going to work out? Okay, I'll practice it out loud with a stopwatch and I'll answer that question myself. So I try to control as many of the variables as I can that are causing me nervousness. But then there will still be some level of nervousness because it's normal. And then my job is to harness that nervousness and turn it into excitement. And I do that in a few ways. One way is that I exercise. So if I can, I'll go for a run or or if I can't go outside, I'll do push-ups or jumping jacks or something that helps harness that energy. It also, by the way, makes my voice sound stronger and fuller as a result of exercising. And then after that, as I'm preparing to speak, like right before, I'll practice deep breathing mm. and, and meditation. And I know that sounds counter to the exercise, but it's all part of the, the process that I do the day of that then helps me center and focus so that I can block out everything else that might be on my mind and just focus on my audience and my message and my motivation for speaking to them. Yeah. And I I think, you know, even when you do vigorous exercise, you always have cool downs that kind of bring you back. Even in yoga, you have Svasana, you know, that kind of brings you back to that calm state. Um, So I'm a huge proponent of of breathing exercises and, and of course, exercise in general. You and I have chatted about, you know, your runner and we've talked about that and the importance of yoga. And it it does carry over into everything that you do. So you talked about really you, you get a feel for your audience and you like being on stage to connect. How do you gauge, let's just say you're giving a 30-minute speech, a keynote, if you will, 30 minutes or an hour. At what point do you know in the speech or what do you look for while you're talking to make sure you're connecting? And to use your, your book, you know, speak with impact, how do you know it's impactful? The answer to that depends very much on the setting. So there's there's one way if you're in person, there's a way that you gauge the impact or the engagement of the audience. Then if you're virtual, it, it's a completely different set of factors. In person, first and foremost, are they looking back at me? You know, are, are they leaning in? Are they looking at me? Or are they multitasking or looking away? Eye contact is, is one form of engagement. I, I like to put a lot of situational humor into my presentation mm-hmm. so I know where the audience usually laughs, laughs when I share an anecdote. And so I look for laughter at the right time. And then afterwards, people will come up, up to me and they'll, they'll share what they liked. Sometimes they'll share what they didn't like. Right. But I have that immediate, immediate feedback 
in the moment in terms of their response when I when I say something, and then immediately post post speech they come up to me. Yeah. That I have in person. Virtually, sometimes I'll have that, but it depends on the it depends on the setup. If it's a Zoom meeting and I can see people's faces, then I can hear their laughter. Well, I can't hear their laughter because they should be on mute. But <laughs> I, I can see their faces smiling when I say something. Um, I can go ahead and see their responses in the chat if I ask a question and they respond. So I can gauge their engagement that way. What I don't have is right afterwards. I don't have that immediate feedback. And I did a program a couple of weeks ago where I couldn't see anyone. It was live streaming. There was no chat function. All there was was Q&A at the end. And there were a few questions. And so I logged off of that presentation thinking, now what? Yeah. Did it go well? Did it not go well? And, and one of the things that we do is focus on the negative. So all I did was immediately focus on the fact that this was too short and this <laughs> wasn't the right thing. And I started beating myself up because I had zero validation or, or feedback. And it wasn't until a week later that I had a debrief with the client and I'm prepared for them to, to let me have it in terms of, you know, you, you, you were, you spoke for too short of a time. This didn't work. That didn't work. And they said, that was fantastic. Everyone loves it. Can we have your slides? Because yeah. everyone wants to see them. <laughs> yeah, we're our own worst critic, no matter if we are an expert, right? We're our exactly. own worst critic. Well, tell me about the time, because I know you talk about this in your book, and this is really the piece that I, I use if I have a 30-minute speech and uh, I only, you know, I've asked the day before, or if I have an hour and I've got a month to plan, you know, just, and I know you can't go into detail, and we don't want to go in detail because we want everybody to buy the book, <laughs> speak, speak with mm-hmm. impact, but what's the general rule, if you will, on how much time you need to prepare for a 30-minute or an hour speech? The amount of time you choose to prepare is determined by two main factors. First, how important the occasion is. And second, how much you know the content. Because if it's a really important occasion with content that is unfamiliar or new to you, and you have an hour-long presentation coming up, I would start three to four weeks in advance Mm. to think about what you're going to say, how you're going to say it, what you want to include, what research you need to do to give yourself time. And I always recommend when people book a speaking engagement, just like you block off time in your calendar for that speaking engagement, block off time to prepare leading up to the speaking engagement. Yeah, absolutely. Incredibly important. Um, I know I, I have to get it in my head first before I can really put it on paper. So I like mm-hmm. to have advance notice because I start making this list in my head and then I know kind of I have a framework for what I want to talk about. Um, right, that's but, right. And yeah. writing is an iterative process. So it's not, it's not like the old research reports we used to write in college where we could cram the night before, stay up all night, submit it 9 a.m. and then we're done. Speaking doesn't work like that. We, it's an iterative process that we do over time because it's hard to be creative 
on a deadline. Mm. Now, some some people work very well with a deadline, but but not the not such an immediate deadline where you don't have time to come up with unique stories or research statistics or interview a few people. So you do want to leave yourself time to come back to it with a fresh mind, with fresh ideas, to keep tweaking and polishing it over time. Absolutely. And I've found that I, I keep a list, I keep a folder with all my various speeches because a lot of times a company will ask me to do a breakout session or something. And then all of a sudden I have a portfolio I've discovered over the last couple of years of things I can pick and choose and it's helpful. And then you can tweak those depending on your audience. That's uh, right. Yeah. So, well, I know I want to get to, I want to give you an opportunity to talk about your nonprofit work. Um, and I, I just lost my place. Here we go. Nonprofit Vital Voices Global Partnership. I talked about it in your introduction, but it obviously is dear to my heart, even though I don't know a lot about it, just because it says you teach leadership communication to help women leaders grow their business, <laughs> run for office, or launch a nonprofit. So is that your nonprofit, or is it a nonprofit you work you partner with? It's not my organization. Okay. It's a, it's a global organization that I work with that they have these incredible programs all around the world for women in leadership. And it, it, they could be women who are in the private sector, the public sector, nonprofit. It, it, the idea is to bring together, to find these extraordinary women who are doing extraordinary things, bring them together and provide a network and then additional skill sets and support to help them grow their impact together. Oh, that's awesome. It, it really piqued my interest when I saw that. Um, so thank you for the work you do with that. How do you fuse your music into, um, you put in your bio that, you know, you use your music as a way to help others find their voice. Can you talk about that, how you do that a little bit? It's, it, it, it's actually something I've only recently, I would say less than 10 years, I've been able to combine the two because for many years, the music and the public speaking were very separate until I had my first opportunity to do a TEDx talk. And that's where I decided to put together music and message. And it became a very powerful combination because I realized that the, the singing experience, the musical journey I had been on actually was very inspiring to people in their professional journey. And there are certain songs that I've written over the course of my life that when I share them in a professional setting, they really move people mm. and, and can underscore a point that I make. For instance, one of the most important public speaking principles that guide me is that it's about being authentic, not perfect. Right. And, and as I share that, that message, I then share a song that I wrote traveling around Europe trying to find myself. And I talk about how, as an opera singer, I was expected to be perfect. I wasn't perfect because there is no perfection. But folk music is about authenticity. Uh -huh. we, we don't go to a folk concert expecting technical proficiency. We may find it, absolutely, but we're not there to, to listen to, to it in the same way we would a classical music concert. We're there to learn about the folk musician and their journey. And if they stumble along the way, 
that's okay. They're being themselves. They're not pretending to be somebody else. And I share that as a teaching lesson that public speaking is closer to folk music than opera. And so I bring home that point by singing a verse of the song that I wrote traveling around Europe. And if, if it's in person, then I, I've hidden my guitar backstage. And then I say, uh-huh. well, I happen to have this guitar here. And then I sing, and that's how I conclude my keynote. That's great. That's great. Yeah, well, I know I've seen some of that online. Sorry. Yeah, I think the video I watched, you were doing, you were actually doing some opera. Um, so it, it's really good. Yeah, music, right, Al? The universal yeah, language. Exactly. Al's a big music buff. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, as you were talking, I was thinking, especially doing all this uh, Zoom stuff, it's, I talked to musicians. That not having that feedback, not having that sense, like you said, of if people are following along or not, if you need to slow down or speed up or you know, change course. It's got to be really difficult um, to do that. And my other question for you was, uh, being authentic, I think, is so true. And I think a lot of the reason people are afraid to get up and speak in public is as much to do with what you just said, afraid of they're going to screw up. or and, and when you watch a speaker, if they screw up, it, it just makes them feel more human. It mm-hmm. doesn't make you, make you judge them. And, you know, unless they try to get real salesy on you, yeah. <laughs> that's a problem. But <laughs> That's right. But... So in your book, did you what what made you want to write this book? What what is is there like one thing you want to make sure that when somebody reads your book, they're gonna go, wow, okay, that's that's what I needed to take from this, and that gives me the go get go do some spe- do some speaking engagements. The the reason I wrote the book is because for years people have been coming up to me asking for recommendations on a book that they can read in order to improve their public speaking. And there are plenty of books out there about public speaking in general, but there wasn't a book to walk them step-by-step through the process of writing, practicing, and delivering a speech or presentation in in any setting. So that's why I set out to write the book. I wanted to write the book, but then I could refer to others as a resource. And I wanted it to be, I didn't want it to be a research paper. I wanted it to be a practical handbook Mm. where any company could say, okay, we're investing in these emerging leaders and we're going to buy them all a copy of your book and say, congratulations, you've been promoted, read this book. And it will help you find your voice in order to speak up at work or outside of work. I had this very clear idea of writing a manual that would help people learn to exercise their voice so that they could move into positions of leadership. That was the the guide for writing this book, whether it's emerging leaders or even senior leaders, how do you use your voice in the exercise of leadership? And and that was the focus of the book. And and to go back to your point, Al, about authenticity, yes, the, the audience is usually okay if, if you make a mistake, but the point I, I try to emphasize is that you don't have to be perfect, but you do have to be prepared and you have to be accurate. Oh yeah, so yeah they, absolutely. They're yeah. not going to forgive you for for coming unprepared and and spewing falsehood. Yeah, they'll forgive you if you lose your place. Yeah. Well, practice and, and the word I think the keyword too there is practice. Pra- I mean, oh my goodness! Practice. Yeah. So many people think, "Well, I'll just get up and wing it," or mm. "I'll uh, I don't do good going off and it." Well, <laughs> that's not the way it yeah. works. Yeah, you don't want to read it, but you also don't want to wing it. I've <laughs> been right. my experience. There's a balance, exactly. Yeah. There's yeah. a balance. Absolutely, mm-hmm. a balance. Well, I actually am doing some work uh, with 
with our local community college on uh, entrepreneurship program that they received a grant for and part of the money in the grant i'm facilitating the grant is to build a library for the students so your book is on my list to buy for the student library because i was looking at the books they've purchased so far and it's all about how to start a business but you know if these young people are going to start a business they're going to do a whole lot of talking to get people to buy into either to get a loan or venture capital or whatever and there's not a single book in the whole library that they have so far on speaking and the importance mm. of that. So uh, I'm going to order some of your books for that library because I think it's that oh. important. And it is a practical guide. Uh, and I know that mm-hmm. for a fact. So, Well, thank you. Well, Allison, I have just been so excited about getting to meet you, uh, even if it is by phone, and get to chat with you and learn a little bit about you. But I want to end with some random questions that I ask almost all of my guests. Um, so if you'll you'll um, play along with me, these are just short top-of-the-head answers uh, right off the top of your head, and uh, there's about four of them. So are you ready? Okay. All Sounds right. good. I'm ready. Good. So what one piece of advice would you give your younger self? Trust your gut and trust it quickly. Mm, quickly. That's <laughs> quickly. Yeah. Don't uh, spend years wondering. Yeah. That's, that's great advice. So what book are you reading right now? I am reading The Inner Game of Tennis. Uh, you said you're, uh, earlier on we were chatting because we we're talking about running, and you were saying that you've, you're doing more tennis than running. So you're you're studying right. and practicing, right? It's also it's it's a book about much more than tennis, which is why I love it. It's, it it teaches principles that are really applicable in so many areas of our lives. Uh, yes, I have some friends that play tennis. So I'll have to add that to the list. I'll I have like to it. read as well. So, are you a dog or cat or neither person? I am a dog person who doesn't have a dog, but luckily I live in a dog-friendly building, so I can play with a dog. Good. That's the best world. (laughs) That's why it's so fun being a grandparent. (laughs) Okay, I got one for you. Beetles or stones? Stones, uh, but it's more... You would have guessed beetles? Yeah, just because you said, talked about folk music, that was the only... So I, I was actually going to say Dylan. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. That's a great Neither. answer. The answer is Dylan Baez, Colin Mitchell, the oh, yeah. Oh, wow, folk, yeah. I concur. Revival team. I'm with you That's on that. That's my thing. Yeah. Good, good question, Al. <laughs> so if you were a color, Allison, what color would you be and why? Man. Blue. Blue. I would be blue. I would be... I would be Caribbean sea blue because it's bright and cheerful and makes people happy because it makes them think of the ocean and it has a, a calm optimism about it. Love it. That's why I would choose blue. Love it. That's the best color answer we've got yeah, yet. I'm is, just saying. That I'm, is a good. I'm taking sides good, yeah. here, but that was a really, you just took me to the Bahamas and yeah, I appreciate yeah, that. Exactly. It didn't cost me a dime. I appreciate that. 
<laughs> That's Al's favorite question. He never knows what they're going to yeah. say, but he's never got that excited. Yeah, so, that was a good one. I like um, well, we would expect no less from someone that's a master at using words, yes. right? Was- Allison, thank you so very much um, for your grace and allowing um, your you to share your time with someone that you really don't know through a mutual friend. And I can't thank you enough. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for all you do to highlight such important issues. I'm, I'm happy to be part of it. Great, great. Well, we appreciate it. And hopefully if you ever get to Florida, look us up. But we will end the show tonight the way we always do with my grandfather saying that he always told us when he was alive and he said, take time to stop and smell the roses. And with that, we are signing off. And until we meet again, take care. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye, Allison. Thank you.